One of the most successful enterprises of the Middle Ages was a collection of free cities located in northern Germany and along the North and Baltic Seas. These cities created one of the greatest trade networks the world had ever seen, and for several centuries dominated trade and economics in northern Europe. It was the early prototype for successful trade organizations which would occur in the future. Learn more about the Hanseatic League, also known as the Hansa, on this episode of Everything Everywhere Daily. This episode is sponsored by Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. I recently had the chance to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond, and I can attest to its exceptional aromas with hints of caramel and vanilla intertwining with its oakiness, which provide a well-rounded flavor profile. Taking a sip is akin to experiencing a piece of bourbon history firsthand. Heaven Hill Distillery may be America's most quintessential bourbon distillery. Established in 1935 after the end of Prohibition, the distillery was established by the Shapira family and has remained a family-owned distillery to this day. In 1897, Congress passed the Bottled in Bond Act, which set forth strict rules for any bourbon labeled Bottled in Bond. Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond bourbon goes beyond the stringent requirements of the law by aging its bourbon for seven years, not four. The end result is a gold medal-winning bourbon that truly stands out. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond. Heaven Hill reminds you, think wisely, drink wisely. This episode is sponsored by ButcherBox. Summer is right around the corner, and that means cookouts. No matter what your preferred food is for a cookout or a barbecue, ButcherBox can help you make it the best. If you want to serve up some hamburgers, ButcherBox has grass-fed ground beef to make the perfect smash burger. Want to cook up some steaks? Well, ButcherBox has that too, with some of the best cuts of steak, such as New York Strip, ribeye, and filet mignon. Do you like grilled chicken? Well, ButcherBox has some of the best pasture-raised chicken that you will find anywhere. And if you really want to wow people at your next cookout, you can try grilling some of their wild-caught salmon on a cedar plank. Sign up at ButcherBox.com daily and get a special deal. ButcherBox is offering my listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com daily and use code daily to choose your free-for-a-year offer. Plus, get $20 off your first order. My personal story with the Hanseatic League dates back several years ago when I was traveling around northern Germany. I was able to visit several of the Hanseatic League cities, such as Lübeck, Stralsund, Wismar, and Bremen. And I've been to many old European cities, and I was able to see some things which hammered home just how successful and important the Hanseatic League was. But before I get to that story, let me explain what the Hanseatic League was and how it came to be. One of the defining characteristics of the Middle Ages in Europe was the guild system. The guild system served several functions. Guilds served to restrict entry into occupations, decreasing competition. They offered a social network for members. It was a system for perpetuating technical knowledge, and perhaps most importantly, it allowed them to band together to protect themselves against kings and nobility. These guilds also engaged in trade with other towns and cities. In northern Germany, these guilds were known as Hansa. In particular, for the purpose of this episode, they were able to trade with a network of cities and towns located around the North and Baltic Seas. The founding of the Hanseatic League began with the city of Lübeck. 
Lübeck was rebuilt in 1159 by Henry the Lion, who was the Duke of Saxony and Bavaria. Geographically, Lübeck is located on the Baltic Sea, right next to the eastern base of the Jutland Peninsula where Denmark is located. Lübeck became an important trading port where goods from inland Germany, in particular Saxony and Westphalia, could be traded to cities in Scandinavia and along the Baltic Sea. In 1226, Lübeck became what is known as an imperial free city. A free city was one that was still part of a larger kingdom, but it wasn't ruled locally by some other minor noble. It was self-ruled, in particular, it was run by the various guilds, or Hansa. In 1241, Lübeck formed an alliance with the German city of Hamburg, which was also a free city. Lübeck had access to fishing grounds, and Hamburg had access to trade routes for salt. Together, they managed to monopolize the salt fish market for the region. This alliance was more than just about fish and salt. It also extended to mutual defense and efforts to combat piracy and thievery between the two cities. This was actually really important, because the fractured political system of the day made conditions ripe for robbers and pirates to thrive. The Lübeck-Hamburg alliance eventually arranged a treaty to get access to markets in England from King Henry II. They established what was known as a contour in London, and a contour was a trading post slash embassy slash counting house. This arrangement between Lübeck and Hamburg soon had other cities joining in. Cologne joined their group, and other cities such as Strasland and Wismar did as well. The benefits of membership in the alliance were quickly realized by every city that joined. Removing piracy and opening up trade routes were profitable for everyone involved. Soon, free cities outside of Germany were joining. Visby, which is an island off the coast of Sweden, became an important port in Scandinavia. Cities along the Baltic and what is today modern-day Poland, Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia all became members. To the west, contours popped up in places like Bergen, Norway, London, Bruges, and Antwerp. In all, over a period of 200 years, 194 cities, in what is today 16 different countries, were part of, or had outposts of, the Hanseatic League. Despite all of the growth of the Hanseatic League, the unofficial capital, and the city which was considered the queen of the Hanseatic League, was still Lübeck. The Hanseatic League was never more than a loose, informal coalition. Meetings were held in Lübeck, but they were not mandatory. The primary concern of the League was simply to facilitate trade and remove any barriers, be they pirates or tariffs. Cities weren't even bound by agreements that were made by the members. So long as they didn't act against the League, they could remain in good standing and run their city as they saw fit. There was also a mutual defense agreement that any one city would come to the aid of another if threatened. The general terms that everyone had to abide by were known as the Law of Lübeck. The League members traded in anything and everything. Cloth, wool, fish, amber, wax, salt, silver, furs, timber, cotton, and grain. The peak of power for the League came in the early 14th century. The wealth and power of the League were such that it started to influence the policies of larger kingdoms and empires around them. They actually went to war against Denmark and Norway from 1361 to 1370, and they were actually victorious, and as part of their victory, they had free access to trade in almost all of Scandinavia. And this brings me back to my story from the beginning of the episode. I was in the city of Wismar, Germany, which was a major Hanseatic city. In the old part of the city, there were several old parish churches. Now, I've been all over Europe, and I've seen hundreds of old churches. However, none of them were like what I saw in Wismar. The Church of St. George was the size of a cathedral. It was enormous, and it was actually larger than cathedrals I've seen in other cities in Europe. Just one block away was another church which was just as big. 
two cathedral-sized churches right next door to each other. The other church, St. Mary, had been severely damaged during World War II, and it was mostly demolished by the East German government during the Cold War. However, the ruins are still there, and you can obviously see how big it was. There's a third church called St. Nicholas, which is also enormous, just a few blocks away from the other two. Today, Wismar is a city of 43,000 people, and it's never been a huge city. So, how is it that such a small city has three cathedral-sized churches all within a short walking distance of each other? The short answer is money. These churches were built during the heyday of the Hanseatic League. The various parishes were associated with certain guilds, and the guilds were constantly trying to show each other up. One of the ways they did this was through the construction of massive churches. I have been almost everywhere in Europe, and I've never seen anything quite like this medieval display of wealth that I saw in the city of Wismar. These churches, which can still be visited today, are a testament to the power and wealth of the Hanseatic League. Eventually, the power and influence of the Hanseatic League started to wane. One thing which hurt the League was the same thing that devastated all of Europe, the Black Death. The 14th century Black Death reduced populations by up to 50% across the continent. In addition to the deaths, it devastated the economy by creating a severe labor shortage. Fields were left fallow, ships couldn't find crews. In the 15th century, there was an event known as the Great Bullion Famine, which was a shortage of gold and silver, mainly due to outflows in the Middle East, but silver mines in Germany also flooded during this period and there was no way to remove the water. And on top of that, there was the Little Ice Age in the 15th century, which was a climatic event that reduced agricultural output. All of these things reshuffled the political climate in Europe and shifted the balance of power away from free cities and back towards larger states. In the 16th century, they found themselves on the wrong side of several conflicts in Scandinavia, and in the 17th century, they all but collapsed due to internal conflict. Despite a massive reduction in influence, the Hanseatic League took centuries to completely die out. In the 19th century, the Hanseatic League was down to just three cities, Bremen, Lübeck, and Hamburg. The final nail in the Hanseatic coffin took place in 1862 when the alliance was finally dissolved. The legacy of the Hanseatic League can still be seen today. The name of the German national airline is Lufthansa, which literally means Air Hansa. Likewise, there are football clubs, breweries, banks, and theme parks, all named after the Hanseatic League. In 1980, an organization of former Hanseatic cities was created called the New Hansa. Another group called the New Hanseatic League was founded in 2018, which is a group of finance ministers from countries in the region. The Hanseatic League was a major part of the history of Northern Europe and helped shape what the region is today, and was also a very distant ancestor to what would become the free trade organizations of the 20th and 21st centuries. Everything Everywhere Daily is an airwave media podcast. The associate producers are Thor Thompson and Peter Bennett. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so over at patreon.com. And remember, if you leave a review or send in a question, you too can have it read on the show.